Nice to see you, Lucinda. And you, Matt. Yes. Remember, we spoke a little bit about the introduction, and I said, listen, yes. I'll try to get a little better on that. Yes. Okay, so I've got a pre-recorded introduction that I'm um, looking forward to your reaction to. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> All right, so let me see if I can share my screen here. Can you see that? Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you. I don't hey, know. Hey, that's lovely. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. cool. Um, okay, you ready? This is going to be a three-minute introduction. Three minutes, my gosh. Minutes. Okay, go for it. Okay, you ready? Come on over to our valley where <laughs> boys run free. Run to the lush green meadows in your shorts. Brother John will be your guide in the summer of indescribable earthly delight. Welcome to the Tree of Truth podcast with Lidstone and Lambeau. In this podcast, we provide psychotherapy to the world while searching for common sense truth from a heightened human consciousness perspective. Today, we will examine three aspects of human life. First, we'll examine the protests that are happening around the world, both in Europe and America. Second, We'll examine the human element or understand the different players on both sides of these protests. And finally, we'll search for a sensible, common sense solution for these types of problems that plague our planet. My pen name is Matt Lambeau and I'm a human consciousness researcher and author. I represent the Western Hemisphere. With me is the lovable Lucinda Lidstone. She's a trained psychotherapist practicing for over 20 years and she will represent the Eastern Hemisphere. Together, we are your East-West connection in hopes of someday uniting the world around common sense truth, or what we call our Tree of Truth. You can find this podcast and everything else about Lidstone and Lambeau at treeoftruth.org. That's treeoftruth.org. Because this podcast provides psychotherapy from a heightened human consciousness perspective, we first take a moment to elevate our minds up above the human discourse and disagreement that's happening down on planet Earth. This is accomplished using three simple fundamentals of human logic. First, the four agreements. This logic dictates that human beings are supposed to perceive the world differently, that our differences are by design. But most importantly, that our differences, or what's called subjective truth, are superseded by common sense, or what's called self-evident truth. The next piece of logic is by George Orwell. This logic dictates that common sense, or self-evident truth, is hidden by a cloak of deception. In other words, there are human beings on planet Earth who have the motive to oppose common sense truth. Our final piece of logic is called skeptical. This logic dictates that hidden truths like that of UFOs and life after human death are proven, proven beyond any shadow of a doubt. So to exclude any of the proven skeptical evidence prohibits honest intellectual human discourse, thus making the search for common sense truth impossible. So with that understanding, let's welcome the lovable Lucinda Lidstone. 
welcome, Lucinda. How are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? How about that introduction? <laughs> Got to start somewhere, huh? You have. You have. You have. Yes. Okay. So to get into our agenda today, okay? Yeah. Um, Again, I've got some questions for you, and we decided that it would be a, a good podcast to learn a little bit about the protests and, yeah. and what these people are. Uh, so my question to you is, um, you know, on your side of the world, uh, what are they protesting and why? Okay, so it's the farmers. Okay. It all, it all kicked off in Europe, really, with Germany. But I was just looking just now. Um, there's live footage at the moment about um, there's 200 unions um, advancing on New Delhi in India and to the point where uh, the capital has, has, has barricaded itself off. Um, so you've got, you've got it happening in Europe. I don't know if anything's happening over there where you are, but India as well. Um, and for mostly common reasons, but depending on which country, they're slightly different. Um, so at the moment, who have we got? We've got Germany, Italy, France, Portugal, uh, the Netherlands, as I said, um, Belgium, did I say Italy, um, and India, and Greece. So an awful lot of countries. So initially, um, I believe Germany um, was, it, it was the, the tax consequences for them, I think, was, was what promoted them to rebel in the first instance. Um, but when you, when you look at it, some of these ideas from the EU on surface look like they're reasonable because They've got various targets about um, regenerating wetlands, things like that, looking after forest ecosystems, um, looking after marine ecosystems. So on the surface, it looks like a really good idea. But this whole green agenda of net zero for 2030 is just so extreme. And what the farmers are saying, particularly actually the Irish farmers are saying, that these directives are set by big corporates that have no idea whatsoever of what it means to toil the soil and to work the land. So they're completely disconnected from the reality of farming. And ultimately, if, if you have no farms, you have no food. And if we have no food, then we have no life. Um, so... Yeah, I've waffled on. I don't know where I'm going with that. No, no, that makes sense. So are you saying that uh, they've got like an environmentalist agenda? And yes. So, right. And so somebody is sanctimonious, right? Yeah. Somebody in power is, is sanctimonious and saying, listen, I know the way this planet should unfold. And I'm going to have you all conform to my ideals, regardless of the consequences. Yeah, without any discussion, without saying, okay, we've got this concern, you know, because we all we all want nature to be cared for and looked after. Of course we do. And we need to make sure that things are sustainable. Of course we do. I don't think anybody would deny that. Agreed. But you, if you're going to introduce legislation or directives, you really do need to consult the people that know best, don't you? And that is the farmers. Right. Um, so with, with the Netherlands in particular... 
they were saying that they've got to cut down their cattle percentage. So they've literally got to either kill off or I don't know what to, to goodness knows how much percent of their cattle. Um, one thing that I, I am kind of ambivalent with, it's one directive was the cut in pesticides. And so the farmers, obviously, that's difficult for them because they get less yield from their crops if they're destroyed by pests, etc. But, you know, actually, I'm quite in favour of that and seeking alternatives because we know that glyphosate, um, commonly known as Roundup, is so dangerous for our health and dangerous for the insect population, etc. So some of these things on the surface, I think that's how these legislations get a foot in the door because on the surface they seem really reasonable and 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 quite welcome actually um but as i said they just don't take into account the reality of putting those things in process right right and there's a balance there's definitely a balance, balance between exactly. in, environmental concerns and commerce okay yeah. and yes your sanctimonious leaders uh, they disregard the commerce part because their check comes in. Yeah, exactly. that's the problem we have from my perspective is is when all said and done, where the, the planet runs on money, you got to have cash flowing. OK, and the moment that that restrictions are put on that through regulations, pesticide regulations, what be it? Yes. Even though we all agree uh, that you got to keep it in balance, that yeah. that that's common practice for the environmentalists. And again, the irony is in that narrative, they've forced us into a position of defending that we we don't necessarily care about the planet. They put us yes. in this defensive thing that if you don't support these sweeping uh, central control measures, then for some reason, you 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 know, you, sanctimoniously, I can look at you and say you obviously have no morals. Yeah. And that couldn't be further from the truth. The problem is they control the narrative. Yeah. Um. And that balance is absolutely essential, uh, you know, because basically every they're protesting because these regulations are putting them out of business, right? They can't yeah, sustain. Well, sorry. No, no, they they can't sustain. That's why they're protesting, saying, "Wait a minute, here, you've got your foot on my throat." Exactly right. And there's been an increase in, we were talking last week about suicide, and there's been an increase in farmers' suicide because they're subsidised heavily. Um, but as the Irish farmer said, you know, if you're relying on money from the government, then that necessarily comes with consequences, doesn't it? So you, you've got to bend to a certain degree, otherwise you don't get your, your subsidy. But they're, they're just crushed by debt. It, it's terrible for them. And yeah, so, absolutely. you know, you can't, you can't, you can't wonder that they just give up. Exactly. You, you know, again, you've worked your whole life as a farmer and now you can't make ends meet. What's the point in continuing to just slave on this planet on behalf of the power structure? Yeah. And of course, a lot of the subsidy goes to the bigger concerns. So your local farmer, your family run business that's, that's been there for generations, they're the ones that suffer. They're the ones that are being squeezed out. Absolutely. And and I honestly can think back to a local or a, like a musician. You ever heard of John Mellencamp, John Cougar Mellencamp? Anyways, he used to write music. He's out of uh, Indiana, he used to write music about the farmers. And this was back in the 80s where farmers were losing their farms, the banks, you know, and yes, it's a case where they into when you talk in terms about a government subsidy. 
I mean, just think how convoluted that is. Yeah. You know, that says, listen, we'll, we'll pay you, to, you know, you're not producing the crops because of our policies, but we'll supplement you with money. And absolutely, there's never does money come from the public sector without strings attached. Well, and, and so and they've I, created the dependency on yeah. all these. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, and, and as in India, you know, they dictate what they're going to pay for your for your grain or for your crops. And that's what they're marching for in, in India because they want guaranteed prices for their crops because they're just barely making any profit at all. Well, and if, if, if I'm guessing that these countries are all indicative of what's happening here in the United States. And, and basically what it is, is, you know, in an elementary, from an elementary perspective, there's two sectors. You got the private sector and you got the public sector. Okay, the private sector is your farmers and all of us out here that pay taxes that are working in the private sector. And the private sector is what creates the wealth. Yes. Okay. And then a, a, a sizable chunk of that wealth goes to the public sector. You know, we all raise our hands and say, we understand taxes are fair. We just want taxation with representation. Okay. So what happens is the public sector just gets too big. It's just too big of a, a yeah. gorilla sitting on the backs of the private sector, and that causes them all to go bankrupt. Now, in America, they got a little luxury where they can just print money, you know, yes. and so just yeah. run our country into trillions and trillions of dollars worth of debt. Yeah. Okay. But you have to admit that there's a dichotomy here between the people who are in the public sector and their income is guaranteed, and those of us in the private sector that are fighting for lower interest rates and lower taxes and, and trying to get the gorilla off our back. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and so then you complicate things. Like, again, when it comes down to access to the media, okay? You know, if, if you don't have a platform to be heard or if your gripes are dismissed by the, the media, it's basically an exercise in futility. Yeah. You know, they're they're on they're on they're on their knees, you know, begging, begging these these uh, power structure to, you know, to 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 make changes that allow them to survive. Yeah, it's it's sad. So let me ask you this. Uh, um, what do all of these people have in common? Now, again, if you look at America, as I'm flipping through the channels, OK, on one hand, you've got uh, flight attendants that are protesting the airlines saying we need to make more money. OK, we need better benefits. And we need to make more money. Most of the uh, protests that you see are actually in the public sector. They're teachers saying, listen, you know, we got, we got trillions of dollars here. Why are we unable to make ends meet as teachers at the lowest level of the schools? Okay. And all of your big unions, they're all, they, they all have something in common. And that's, they're basically paying homage to the powers that be in hopes that they can get more money, get a sustainable income. Well, I guess, I guess teachers, the NHS over here, you know, fire service, all of those have, have over time protested for more wages. But, and I'm sure there's validity and there's an argument there, which maybe we could discuss at some point. But really, when you compare that to the farmers, you know, you're crushed by debt. You're barely making any money. 
you know, it's hard, hard work, isn't it? And really, I, I don't think that compares because we're all we're all greedy, aren't we? We all live to our means. We all want more money, um, but they're barely scraping by. And, you know, one argument that's that's given is that, um, you know, let's say places like Tesco or the supermarkets, they want to keep costs down because of because of the current crisis, economic crisis. Um, so that's their argument. It's like, well, we we, we want to provide cheap food. Um, but then they go and import a load of, say, grain from Ukraine, let's say, or wherever it might be from Asia or wherever it might be. And that they are not subject to the same regulations as we have over here in Europe. So what you're importing might be cheaper, but it's much poorer quality. So the whole thing is a racket and it's nothing to do with our welfare, with our health or our well-being, is it? It's just about making money. Absolutely. And crushing out the small man, the small business. Right. And and, and the public sector in in all of these countries is like a locomotive out of control. Yeah. Okay. I really believe that the inherent corruption within, okay, again, the, the guy who's in power the most everybody's lobbying him and uh it's just inherently corrupt that i'm not sure uh it can repair itself you know it might be to where the farmers gain some ground but that apparatus that has messed things up so badly i'm not sure that that train can be turned around do you think it can? I mean, is is there? Uh, can you conceivably see a way that the tide would turn in any I, of these situations? Well, on the surface, no. I would say no because because it's just another arm of of the evil, isn't it? It's just another manifestation of the evil, of the evil powers that control everything. Um, but. Like so, for myself, we've got a big Tesco's just down the road from me, literally within a mile down the road, and we've we've shopped there for a long time. And then I I said to my partner, "Look, I'm not doing this anymore. I do not want to give my money to them. I mean, they're spraying God knows what on fruits and vegetables so they can sit on the shelves for months on end. I don't know what the hell this new stuff is that they're spraying on their fruit and veg." Um, all your food obviously comes in plastic and I just don't want I don't want to give them my money and I don't want to eat that kind of inferior food and and I'm in a position where perhaps I'm lucky I can pay a little bit more to get better quality food so I will travel maybe I don't know half an hour 40 minutes drive to go to a local butcher and a local farm shop and you know maybe the veg is still sprayed with pesticide but it's not packed in plastic I can I can look through it all it's bigger it looks healthier um, and it's just a much better way and and so I think we've got power in that sense um, depending on where you live of course but I think you know let's cut out the middleman let's cut out Tesco's and just go straight to the farmer and say well I'll pay you what I'm paying Tesco's and probably he's going to earn more out of that because you right. know you're taking away Tesco's cut aren't you just to use Tesco as an example but right, I, because I think that's what we've got to do yes and the same thing happened at Walmart is what's big over here there's a yeah. Walmart in every town and with no question the moment Walmart showed up and says listen we're everything to everyone 
There's yeah. not a product or service we don't provide. Obviously, yeah. see all the small businesses went out of business. Yeah. Okay. And then if you look at the Walmart structure, there's so much money that goes through there that obviously they could make their employees, the, the it could be the best job on the planet. Everybody on the planet would want to work for Walmart. But even though they control all of it, uh, it's still there. You know, they throw their employee, employees basically pittance. And yeah, yeah, so it's it's a racket. I mean, it, the bottom line is it's a racket. So uh, now to be able to overcome this, any of these scenarios seems like it's going to require some sort of uniting. You know, yeah. how how on the outside when we've got all this, you know, the farmers here, the the uh, flight attendants here. I mean, we've kind of got all these small little uh, pockets of people who have legitimate concerns. How do you ever see something like that uniting and gaining traction? Well, um, come, coming back to the farmers, you know, everybody is out, aren't they? You know, more and more countries are, are out. Um you know, in India now, which is obviously not part of the EU. So I, I think it's a global concern. I think the farmers globally are concerned. I know that there are organisations, I don't know who they are off the top of my head, but I know that there are organisations for farmers that are concerned about this, concerned about freedom and concerned about quality of food. Um, so, and it's fundamental, isn't it? Our food is our survival. Mm -hmm. So I think this is one area where, you, you probably can motivate people because we, we all need to eat to live and we all, right, so most of us, want to feel like we're eating, you know, fairly good quality food, don't we? Right. So we've got a common interest that yes. this the food supply could be something that uh, allows us to unite around it yeah. and gain some inroads. But, I, but also, I'm not sure that kind of globally uniting is the way forward because you're just playing the same game only on the other on the other team as it were like this idea of a global alliance whether for good or for ill I, I'm not sure that that works I think we need to go back to more local communities because as this Irish farmer was saying you know they can bring in these directives and they don't think about the different environments of the different countries so you know it's obvious isn't it in some in, in an environment such as Ireland that certain things are going to grow and going to work better there than perhaps they are in Greece it's, it's a different environment it's a different social structure so you know I don't you can't glow this kind of global idea just doesn't suit everybody does it because we're all no, different no. living in different environments right and you're, you're hitting the nail on the head and that is the the problem is that uh, when you try to centralize everything across the planet, no, you, you know, you, you definitely want to uh, relinquish that central control and start letting the smaller communities, the states, the, the neighborhoods take care of it themselves. Now, in terms of, uh, I've got this philosophy that says there's no uh, person or organization that will ever have the power to penetrate the apparatus in the inherent corruption. But I am of the belief that a certain narrative could hold these people accountable. You know what I mean? That what says, do you mean by that? Well, if we had a narrative that uh, um, 
that just again it's it's kind of like i believe there's a there needs to be a litmus test in some regard that helps us distinguish who's the good guys and who's the bad guys okay some sort of a litmus test that that separates uh your you know freedom from control and uh let me ask you this question so if you look at uh what you talk when you spoke about the farmers they're looking for more money but they're in mountains of debt okay what if we were to change the narrative from we want more money we want more money to we want to pay less that in other words if the narrative were to switch that the problem isn't the amount of money the farmers make. The problem is the amount of money the farmers pay the banks. Okay. Like, uh, instead of trying to get more money for your crops, alleviating the debt that you have on that farm, being able to acquire that farm and stop every month taking your money and paying it to banks. And so my thought process is if somehow the narrative could shift along those lines, it says, wait a minute, we as a whole understand that the public sector is inherently corrupt and we're not going to be able to change it. But what we can change is the amount of money that all of us continue to pay to back to them, something like that. Um, Yeah. And in my case, I've, I've got a simple concept that I call the 2% max rate, okay? So, and, and it makes complete sense. Again, if you look at the way we pay banks, we pay central banking. I don't know if the other countries are the same, but every time the moon goes by every 30 days, we all get our checkbooks and we pay what we owe the banks, right? Like you say, these farms are massively in debt. Who are these people? Who are the banks? Anybody that's in banking, it's not your money. And to change the rules that says, no, 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 none of the farmers are going to pay any interest to banks. Every dollar you give it is going straight to ownership of that farm, because I believe the farmers could all survive if they were able to alleviate the obligations they have to these banks. So that's kind of a curveball. But the only reason I propose it is because it's a narrative by which we could get a lot of people to agree that says, listen, let's stop talking about the uh, uh, wrestling with taxes and this or that, but let's start really looking at where do the farmer's dollars go and how can we help those farmers not necessarily make more money for their crops, but keep more money in their pocket. Yeah. I, I mean, you'd have to talk to a farmer either because my knowledge is, is only surface of course, but, but, you know, I guess my question would be how have we got to this how have we got to this situation where a farmer is subsidized for his diesel subsidized for all sorts of other things and yet he still can't make a profit he's still in debt like you know in a different way I'm saying a, a different the same thing as you but in a different way right right well they, like, yeah they, they you know that how is... does that situation happen in the first place well, it, it happens because those that are creating those programs understand economically they won't work. They don't work. But what was more important was the dependency of the farmer, the farmer's vote. So, hey, listen, instead of making the, the, the accurate changes that allow you to prosper naturally, they're like, no, no, our policies are going to destroy your farm, but we'll just keep you afloat. 
anyway, so it's it's inherent corruption that we've seen for years. That I, I just believe the people who truly have the power have zero concern for the well-being of the farmer. Yeah, of course. And and you know, you know, um, as with all things, as as I said, it's just another arm of the evil, and ultimately it's just another way of reducing the population, isn't it? They don't want us to have good food that nourishes us that keeps us well it's just you know they want us supposedly eating insects and being vegan and you know and and you're correct and and who is they who are these people you well, know can we put a name on them can well, we put a party the, name on them or a personal name well one of the culprits was supposedly the rumors or the conspiracy theory was that bill gates had had bought up 80% of your farmland over there. But I, I made a note of his quote. He's finally answered that question. And he said, I own less than uh, a quarter. Can't, oh, sorry, I can't find the figure. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Anyway, he was saying that he doesn't own all of that. And he's invested in the farms to make them more productive and to create more jobs. I mean, if you believe that, then you might as well go home now. <laughs> there isn't some grand scheme involved. In fact, all these decisions are made by a professional investment team. I, right. I, I just don't believe it. I don't. I don't believe that. No, no. Well, and again, it's all a narrative. Uh, the Bill Gates, the the meetings this guy sits in, you know, the round table that that guy's privy to, they could solve this problem with a snap of their fingers. Of course, they could. Right. Elon and Musk. So, you know how many how many billions has Elon Musk got? You know, it just. Right. As you said, it's like it would be barely any cost to them, wouldn't it? If they really, if they really were altruistic and wanted to help the planet, they could do it. They could solve so many problems, couldn't they? Straight they could, away, they could figure it out by this afternoon. Yeah, no question about it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely so there, right. you know, again, that's not going to happen. So I guess a larger question is: uh, Is there anything we can do about it? And is there a, a, a moral imperative to fight these guys? And if there is, if if part of our role on this planet is to try to make the planet a better place, then we're going to need a different strategy. Yeah, and I, and I know you're all about look. Let's stop talking about the problem and let's let's talk about solutions. But nobody knows what what those solutions are. There's no joining together for some great plan. Um, you know, my my partner says to me, "Oh, stop worrying about this stuff. There's nothing you can do." But we have to keep talking about it because, well, we just have to, don't we? We have to keep, we have to keep doing what we can do, keeping it alive, letting them know that we know what they're up to, whoever they right, are. Right, right. And the thing is, that's where, again, kind of like what I feel is somewhat of a calling here is uh, I just understand the importance of the narrative. And as long as they control the narrative, uh, these things are going to continue. There's nothing we can do. And so a large, grandiose, along the lines of shifting the narrative that says, wait a minute, uh, let's stop talking about everybody trying to make more money. Let's really focus on where our money goes. Yeah. Why are we paying this money consistently to the banks? And uniting in that regard that says, listen, if we put a, an army or a party, I like to use the term party rather than army, together of a million people that says we're done paying banks, that'll get their attention. You know, so I, I think we, we that's kind of my goal is to try to find something. 
uh, again, I just think there's a litmus test that says, listen, would you support that no human being on this planet would ever pay a bank more than 2%, just a straight 2% rate? And those that would oppose that expose themselves as having uh, ulterior motives because your typical human being would say, yeah, why would anybody pay? Who are these banks? It isn't their money. They're bankrupting everybody. The banks are bankrupting. So to drop it down to 2% means that trillions of dollars would stay in the hands of the poor overnight. And it might but, seem absurd or grandiose, but so was well, the American Revolution at its outset. I think solutions are often simple, aren't they? But you know, the the great flaw, of course, in what you're saying is that everybody would have to agree or a vast majority of people would have to agree or everybody has to stand up at once. And you just don't get that, do you? You, you just don't. I mean, there's there's lots of people over here um, finding loopholes, refusing to pay their their council tax, their their um, their energy bills etc so so there are people trying to get around those loopholes but i think you know you've got to be really brave because you're you're up against an edifice and all the while those debts are racking up aren't they and i think you've got to be of a certain very brave mindset to carry those things through and to really push back i think it takes a strong person to do that or it takes strength in numbers Strength it takes numbers, strength in exactly. numbers. Now, the way I envision it, though, is it's not a proposal or a threat. It's an it's an awareness program, an awareness program that says, hey, listen, we got a simple message. And that is right now, the poor people are paying too much to banks. So how can we back down on that? OK, again, it's going to take a million people, but it's just an awareness program that says, listen, this is what would happen if we lowered everything to 2%. This is what would happen. Trillions of dollars would not go to banks. Banks will still stay in business. They got the tallest buildings. They'll be fine. We're just done paying them their profits. And, you know, to me, and it's an awareness program, it's 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 uh, where you'd say, do you support that or don't you? If you All right, Lucinda. Um, and I know when I speak in these terms, they're like grandiose and bombastic or these types of things. But I am hard pressed to believe that there's any other path other than taking a narrative, taking a narrative, simplifying it down that says, listen, we're looking at it from the wrong angle. And that starts with, again, if somebody listens to this podcast, if they go to treeoftruth.org, it's a simple here, throw in your email address. Let us just feed you some information. And again, I know that this mission in terms of uh, a directive at the banks, understanding just how much money is sent back to these central banks. And uh, that's a personal thing with me. Okay, not everybody's going to share that. And, and a lot of people that I've, I've proposed it to, you know, think it's absurd. You don't get to fight that type of fight. But I just have this belief that it it comes down to just simple understanding of the way the world works. If we elevate our mind up to that of Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, we can look down and we can see the empire. I hate to call it an empire of evil, but it is an empire. And these banks that get this money are generations of human beings in there. 
Okay. The, 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 uh, the Fords who went out and, and sold all the automobiles to make their money, these people are gone, okay? The, the banks are inheriting this wealth. And I'm just hard-pressed to believe that there's a, a, a fight on this planet, whether you're, you know, whoever you decide the adversary is, if it's anybody outside of the central banking control, it just seems like we're fighting each other. Well, my feeling is that it's no good trying to, and I know you're not saying this, but it's no good trying to repair the systems or or regenerate the systems or rework the existing systems. They don't work. And I feel kind of um, energetically that big edifices, so like the NHS, I know loads of people who have gone into the NHS in my field thinking that they're going to make great shakes. And all, all that happens is that that system chews them up, spits them back out again. So I think once th 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 these edifices have an energy and a personality and an impetus in and of themselves, and so it's no good thinking that you can change that. You, you need a completely different system. You need to turn away from that and do something different. And, and I, what makes sense to me right now, and I, and I know nothing, I certainly don't know anything about politics, but what makes sense to me right now is local communities is you know just turn into your local community buying off your local farmers talking to people locally because where you live um your way of being is going to be different from mine because you're in a different environment and i think it you know it really does boil down to that for me that we are of our environment we have to work with it in whatever way but that doesn't mean this ridiculous green agenda of net zero by 2030 it's absolute nonsense absolute nonsense i agree i agree and that that locomotive is not going to stop no. okay the inherent corruption within the corporations the centralizing of the corporations the inherent corruption within our political system the inherent corruption within our religious systems okay none of that's going to change so in my world if you take it down to a personal level, individual families, okay, because we can't control any of the rest of it, we maybe can control just how much we write our check for each month, just how much we pay out. If we look at your typical family expenses, a percentage goes to insurance, a percentage to interest rates or whatever it might be, percentage to food, a percentage to what be it. And the one who takes the lion's share of all the people's money are the banks. Yeah, absolutely. Banks. absolutely. And again, it would take certain strength in numbers, but just the narrative itself, if somehow we can introduce a narrative that says, listen, let's change the conversation. Instead of trying to correct the corruption, why don't we just stop paying them the money we pay them? <laughs> and that'll get and, their attention quickly. And also to realise we don't need all this consumerism. We, we don't need it. You know, all the stuff, like we've all got loads of stuff, haven't we? You right. know, loads of stuff that we just don't need. But we, right. we, we, we believe that that's going to fill a hole or, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, and it's a slippery slope. You know, again, it'd be, it could be a case, too, where if you've got ample money, you figure, what should I do with it? Well, I got nothing else to do with it. I might as well buy some stuff. Yeah. You know, and that's where we need to get into their melon and go, no, 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 no. Instead of buying stuff, send it to Matt and Lucinda here, the tree of truth, and help us push this narrative. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
And that's an, a topic for another podcast. But it, truly, now, I don't know. If you get a second, go to, uh, um, let me just share my screen one more time, okay? Yeah. Let me show you something here. Um, here. Okay, can you see that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is basically, again, the, the right now, treeoftruth.org. Okay, and if you go, uh, our podcasts are listed on here. And, and again, I'm, I'm working on the site to try to improve it. But if you go down here where I put this little spot that says support the tree of truth, help the world get the psychotherapy it needs. If you click on contribute. Okay. I got some plans here that says, listen, if you want to contribute to the cause at $29, we're going to take that money. We're going to put it into marketing and we're hopefully going to reach another person that needs the psychotherapy they need. If you pay us $99 a month, it helps us reach more. We've got an option here to pay us $1,000 a month. And in that case, we're partnering up with you. You believe in what we're trying to do. You understand this tree of truth is super beneficial, the podcast we put together. And that $1,000 is going to help us reach more people. Any money that's given to us is completely transparent in terms of what we're doing with the money. But I would love to ask anybody. Okay. And again, I'm not talking about your poor farmers that don't have extra income. I'm talking about the people who've got things made. Okay. I would ask them, do you believe you should contribute back? Do you believe that you should donate to certain causes? And if you do, I would love to know what cause you believe is better than what we're trying to do right here. And if you believe in our cause, Whatever you're donating to the Catholics or to the Democrat Party or to the Republican Party or whatever you believe your worthy causes, we'd like you to consider giving us half. Okay? And that that isn't ludicrous. People donate all the time to things they believe in. And I'm hard-pressed to believe there's something better for the world than what you and I are trying to do right now. So, as People see this podcast, please go to treeoftruth.org. If you like what Lucinda and I are attempting to do, our phone number is right there. You've got the ability, but call us up, talk to us, get involved. Because if the world's going to change, it's going to change through a narrative. It's going to change through an awareness program. And that global uniting that you're accurate, if you were to just globally unite, now you've got two united parties fighting with one another. Okay, so I don't believe we need to unite in that regard. What I do believe we need to do is to unite in cause and then hold our power structure accountable to that cause. Like the farmers have a cause, okay, but they don't have the strength to force the power structure to adhere to their cause or to uh, take note of their cause. It just somehow, some way, there has to be this common denominator that says, wait, and maybe it's a public sector, private sector thing. You know, there's a case to be made that says, especially in America, that the private sector, the people who pay the taxes, should have the ability to dictate the amount that's spent and the public sector is set to fight over where it's spent. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, let's say in England, 
everybody that pays taxes has the ability to say, that's it. You're not getting any more money. Now the public sector can't go out making all these promises with an open checkbook. They've got a fixed amount. Now the public sector is going to slug it out for how the money gets spent. So a simple concept like that would, would, would you know, uh, it, it would uh, change the world. <laughs> but it, it comes, I think the only power we have is, is one by one to try to force a narrative that helps the human mind understand uh, uh, just who we're fighting. And, and if, if we were to get on the same page, just in terms of simple understanding, what, what, what role do the banks play in this world? Could they be our, our, our target? And the more people that gravitate to, to that narrative, that's saying, hey, hey, listen, Mr. Politician, I love what you're talking about. Yep, you said you're going to support the farmers and anything, but what do you think about the 2% max rate? What do you think about that, where the people only pay banks 2%, Mr. Politician? That creates a litmus test where he's got to join us or oppose us. But that's for another day. I just, yeah, because, again, you're you're accurate that the problems have have persisted on this planet for decades, for generations. And I'm hard pressed to hear anybody propose a solution that might work. And so you're going to see me keep pushing for that, 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 listen, there's a simple narrative that we can turn things around here. And uh, that way uh, the topic of what Bill Gates actually has to say uh, takes a forefront to, uh, you know, little bits and pieces, but with that, I digress. All right, you. All right, my friend. You know how much I love you, and me, you. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, well, well done, my friend. Huh? Yeah. So let me know your next subjects that you want us to talk yes. about. All right. All right. Sounds all right, good. My darling. All right. Love you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, darling. Bye, bye.